So it's not often that you can uh, find a place where you can hear a piece about unicorns, gardening and bookbinding. Um, but uh, you'll hear in this piece, um, that's the opportunity that I had when I met with Mary Bartlett on the Dartington estate. So what I've done, I've taken the sounds of, a, uh, of the uh, bookbinding studio, so the opening of a book with its creaking has been slowed right down so it sounds like the sort of roots of a tree being extracted, um, the flicking of leaves through, through the uh, uh, pages of a book uh, sounds um, like a repetitive uh, tapping, um, boulders falling out of uh, a sort of mud cliff if you like and um, we've also got the printing press itself which rings slowed right down to, to a sort of dull hum. So those uh, sounds form the bed and over that we've got the piece uh, about the unicorns, um, the garden and, and also the bookbinding itself. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Lock the old door, and uh, what a lovely day! Probably here I got the old uh, flip flops on, and that's because it's one of those uh, June June classics. Now back to Dartington. So uh, Mary Bartlett. Now that's a name you may have heard. Um, Mary's been on the Dartington estate for, well, we're going to find out, but we think it's a long time. 30 years, maybe a bit more. And uh, Mary's got this kind of um, expertise, and it's all about unicorns. Um, so they're not to be mixed up or confused in any way with horses. Um, we're going to find out how they've sort of morphed into this uh, sort of you know, purpley, sparkly thing that adorns uh, the, the bedroom walls of little girls, because I don't think they started out like that. Um, and amongst other things, we'll be asking questions like, you know, where, what, what, what noise do they make? I mean, what noise does a unicorn make? Are they, um, are they related to uh, narwhals? Um, where do they, where do they come from? Where do they live? What do they eat? And uh, are they real? And all kinds of things. So we're going to find out about unicorns, but we're also going to find out about the a little bit about the, the history of the Dartington estate. And by goodness me, what a lot of history there is there. So the Elmhursts, we all know the name. We may have even had a pint, a tipple of the old Elmhurst ale. Uh, lots of questions. Running late, let's go. Well, I can see a door open here. It looks 
looks uh, really cooly. Does it look really cooly? Yeah, it does. I can see a unicorn. Ooh. So, uh, where are we? Hello. Hello. Oh, hi, Mary. It's Dave. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. It's all right. Great. No, no, no. So, um, no, uh, we're going to do it on the hoof. No pun intended. I mean, do unicorns have hooves? Well, they do, but they're cloven. Okay. Yes. So they're not like a horse's hoof. No, 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 I know they're not horses. <laughs> they're not even related, are they? No, no. They're not equines, they're not a service, but they're bovids. Okay, bovids. Yeah. So more of a goat than a, uh, uh, more of a cow. Than a horse, uh, an antelope or a an gazelle. Okay. But it could be a goat. Could be a goat. Yes. Rock but rock climbers. Or? Mm, well, there's lots of stories about them. Okay. Um, but I'm reading two great big volumes on goats at the moment. Oh. But all the goats are twiddly horns, apart from the Hungarian screwhorn sheep. Okay. <laughs> and what's that got then? A screwhorn. No, oh. it's got lovely screwhorn horns. S screwhorn horns. Yes. So, I mean, you know, let's cut to the chase so the unicorn horn is uh, uh goat ish antelope antelope ish sorry or gazelle like so it's like this one here yes. but only one so yes. a bovid yes oh, i see yes. yes so let me just so we've got a nice little stack here so we've got equine on the bottom which is equus. and the only time the horse had a horn was when it had the medieval chamfron right which is obviously artificial yes S screwed on oh well just a you know, piece of armour over its okay. head. Yeah, no, no uh, animals were harmed during. I'm sure they were actually, weren't they? Probably. 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 Slaughtered. Yeah, probably. Well, you know, bread and circuses, the Roman supply uh, to the games. at the moment. Theses. Theses, PhDs. Yeah, no, I thought maybe it was thesi, but... Uh, well, I don't know, it might be thesi. No, I don't know, I think you're probably right. I, I knew the Egyptians kept them as pets. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Sweet little uh, unicorn. Yes, yes. Is that a sort of... What are they called when they're babies? Not foals, are they? Can kids, I suppose. I don't know. Kids? I don't know what baby unicorns are called. Well, I think they're called kids. Well, they, I don't know. I'm, we're not going to say it because I haven't got any proof yet. But this is brilliant. Somebody must have like gone nuts to to research oh all gosh. this. And yeah, I mean, how many pages? I mean, we're talking a huge volume of. We are, we are. You know, it's it's um, the gazelle in ancient Egyptian art, image and meaning, mm. and it's brilliant, absolutely gosh. brilliant. Because I knew they kept them as, I knew they kept them, and my theory is that in antiquity. The herds of whatever it was were bigger, so you would get oddities. But now we're slaughtering them at a rate. Um, this is the current pictures from Libya. Okay. This is the Dorcas gazelle. Oh dear, that doesn't make very pleasant reading, does no, it? No, not really. I thought there was enough trouble in Libya without yeah li without the gazelles being involved. Yeah, because um, he used to protect them. Who, Gaddafi? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. But since his demise, 
Um, and they do still occur in nature with one horn. Oh. So if you found one, you'd have taken it to the court of the king and say, because most in antiquity, the Egyptians had gardens, the Persians had gardens. In the Middle East, all the rulers had gardens. So you would kind of stick the little thing in there and go, person to describe them. Okay, so the Greek. complete fragments of... Uh, Cetesis. Oh, Cetesis and... Of wherever and he lived. Cynidus. Yeah, he oh went back after being at the court of the... But there's quite a lot of references to the little friend in here. And there's also references to the court of Prester John in Ethiopia. Okay, so, um, gosh, I mean, we're going all around the world, aren't we? At a rapid rate. So yes. So let me just um, let me just step. Let's just sort of step back a little bit here. So we've got in this glass case. We've got equines. I understand equus the horse. Yes. Cervid the deer. Cervid the deer. Because they drop their horns. Okay. So so cervids have horns. They fall off every year. Yes. And they regrow. Yes. And then above, not necessarily above in that way, but in our display. We've got the bovids. Yes. Now they're more sort of um, antelope-like. Yes. And they do not drop their horns? Or no. They, they, they don't. keep them through their life. Do they? Yeah. And that's why the goats um, and all these are at risk to from trophy hunting. I see. You know, the older the bigger, uh, you get the bigger horns. So what about, so let's just talk about these unicorns then. So... They look a little bit. Uh, I know they're not, but they look a little. They look a more equus than they That's do bovid. That's because uh, they've just been distorted through time. Oh, I see. I think. So unicorns are real. Well, I think they must. You know that in the Egyptian. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's based on something called the Linnaean classification system. Right. Because Linnaeus, you know, it starts in a way with this ancient art, but also, too, in his first edition, um, he sort of classified everything, and it's still regarded as the standard classification. Did plants, animals, insects. He must have been a real, you know... Um, well, no, but good job we did it. Um, and in his first edition, um, he put unicorns under paradoxa. Right, right, so okay. he, you know, he didn't know what they were, but he stuck them in there. And what, and what else is in? Oh, is that like, because it's a paradox? I suppose, because there were griffins and all sorts. So anything he didn't really understand, he stuck in the section paradox. Oh, okay. So what else? So we've got griffins, unicorns. Oh, and I think there's dragons. I can't remember. Dragons. I imprinted it all. Okay. So does it, was he responsible for, so when he did this sort of classification? Yes. Was he kind of responsible for putting these one-horned beasts into some kind of he fantastic... He paradoxical because, yeah. you know... But the more I've gone back to history um, and not what people make up about them, the more interesting it gets. Yeah. 
when did the unicorn interest start? Oh, it was about 30 years ago, because my great friend, do you know Julie Byram, the enameler down in space? Uh, no, I don't. She's wonderful. And she, I wanted to, Dartington used to give away these lovely little enamel white hearts. Oh, yes. And I said to Julie, could you make one? And she went, no, go and find something else. Okay. So, back through all the kind of, um, well, I've, it comes really from this book of 1556. It's a weird, I don't know what it's about really, but in there, there's an amazing poem <clears throat> about the heart and the unicorn, and they dwell in the forest. Right. And you need the sort of two to sort of bring peace and harmony and all the rest of it. So the heart and the unicorn obviously go back a bit, do they? Well, the earliest trace I've got is 1556. Okay, well that's a fair old time, isn't it? Well, I suppose. But this, you know, how old is this Egyptian stuff? This is, oh, well, of course. you know... But does the heart appear in the Egyptian? No, because they wouldn't have had deer. Okay. Uh, so I'd, I... There's still stuff I'm yeah. trying to find. So you, you got into, sort of... So you were introduced to unicorns when you were trying to find uh, a, a nice emblem for a, for a brooch. Well, because Julie wouldn't make me a white heart because okay. it's too Dartington, she said. Okay. So then you kind of thought, right, okay, so it's going to be a unicorn. Yes. And then you, then it kind of sparked an interest in Yes. Thought, and, yes. Then, and that was like 30 years ago. Yes. So you've been kind of researching yes. ever since. Yes. So are you like a global authority on unicorns? Not really. Well, I don't know. There's probably other people out there, but... But you're one of them. I don't know. I just, you know, I just trek on, really. But there's probably not a lot you don't know about unicorns. Oh, I don't know. You keep finding things and you think, oh, I didn't kind of know that. Do you know what kind of noise they make? Oh, there's varying, uh, there's varying uh, descriptions of the sound they make. Depending, I presume, on which animal whoever was describing them in antiquity heard. I wonder what, I mean, do you know, could you make... No, I can't make a unicorn noise. I mean, do, do you, I mean, would it sound like a giraffe? I shouldn't think so. It's more like, well, whatever noise gazelles make. Okay, because I, yeah. yeah, the reason I asked that is because I don't actually know what a sound a giraffe makes. Nor do I. see the bronze caster? No, see, it sounds like uh, all the people you're going to mention I don't think I've ever met or heard of. Oh. Ooh. Isn't that terrible? That Sorry. Really bad. Well, I know, but I'm learning about them now, so. Yeah, because this is Andrew. He's a bronze caster. So we made... The first thing he made was my husband's gravestone. Okay. And then we made the unicorn. That's in clay. That's all the old chemical metals. That's casting it. Me chipping it out of the mould. Oh. Staggering up to my garden. <clears throat> well, I better have a look at this. Let me have a. I'm going to put my glasses on. It lives in. It, it lives in my. It looks like this, Mad. Oh gosh, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. When you say it look like that, it looks like this now. 
Well, oh. it's in my garden. Oh, I see. But from, it's always looked a bit like from that. Going from the clay mortar. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we made the clay mortar. Well, we did this for my husband first. Yes. And then we thought, oh, we'll do something else. And this is the clay model. Mm. And then bronze casting is a very special. It's got ancient rituals, ancient metals. Um, and the only way Andrew knows how to pour it is he looks at the colour in the mould. Right. And you go, oh. And there's me chipping him out. Amazing. And then staggering up with a rock he lives on. And then all the other construction around him. And so you say him, is that a male unicorn? Yes, that's a boy. We're pretty sure that's a, a, a gentleman. He looks... Um, Whereas muscular. the one they've got over there is Darcy, who's a lady. Okay. So I don't know what they get up to it. Now. I mean, apart from the obvious mammalian difference, um, can you, do they have a difference? Uh, we, we don't know. That's why he's sitting down. Okay. Yeah, we don't. I imagine they're probably the same as any other. I would have thought mammal. so. Yes, I would have thought so. In the old gonad region. Whereabouts is the walled garden? Uh, it's down below. Is that your space. Is that your? No, wall? my walled garden's up the road. Okay. And I wait. I waited. Oh, I don't know, like forever to live in that house because it had a neglected walled garden, right. which when Brown was alive, we restored it together. So it's a lovely walled garden. Did you show me that? So there was nothing here when we came. Um, it was all completely overgrown. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like trees. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so wow. We, we restored it. Your runner beans are doing much better than ours. Oh, they need a good drink. So, th are these courgettes? Yes. We're, we're beating you on the courgettes. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why they're so slow. Yeah, but no, we've but got... This is this is all um, the broad beans I've yeah. selected for seed. Okay, yeah, so we've got these some... will be... We've had good broad beans this year, yeah. no black fly. I think it's because yeah. it's been dry. They'll all be... This is seed. Yeah. So I kind of select for seed. But I watered this before. Is there a dark side to unicorns? Not that I found. Some people give them a dark side, but I haven't found a dark side to them. I mean, you wouldn't want to get that spike anywhere near your. You know, you wouldn't want to be like. You wouldn't want to upset one and get that. You know, up your. Well, I don't think you would upset one, would you? Well, I don't know. Imagine if you teased it. I don't know. But why would but, you? Why would you tease it? Well, you know what people are like. I mean, well, I wouldn't, but some people are like that. They, they you see them, don't you? They see animals and they think. Yeah, they kind of provoke them. But that's just our lack of being together in the world, no, really. I agree. I agree. And that's that's their journey, not mine. Well, that's fine. So, as far as you're concerned, they don't have a dark side. That's nice. I've not come across one. No. Because they're often depicted... There's all sorts of depictions in antiquity for them about, you know, being with the... Well, I don't know about the Christian mythology because that's about being captured by the Virgin, so I don't kind of know 
that one. Well, I know it, but it's not kind of quite me. And then, because I think most animals, I mean, most animals don't really have a dark side, do they? I mean, cows well, are very I gentle. And well, I don't know. Somebody, I was reading somewhere in this research on aurochs, because Julius Caesar is supposed to have seen a unicorn, and they think it's one of these, an auroch. Okay. But I was kind of reading this the other day, and uh, it says they kind of backbred them somehow, and they were they turned out to be terribly ferocious. Mm. Yes, which is. Uh, right now aren't we give me a little give me a little tour um well it's it was sort of founded at the school okay back in well about 1935 right um because there was no other means of printing in them days you had to print letterpress okay so let's have a look at the old uh the old press here so is this no this is the press oh right gone to the wrong one this one's 1895 oh gosh my pride and joy, this one. Well, so does that... This is a treadle press. So you, you set the type, and a lot of expressions come from type, letter by letter, line by line, making a good impression, because it's how much you set the press to get the impression in the paper. Do you ever get a second chance to make a first impression? Oh, well, you, you fiddle about with scrap paper till you get it right. You don't print on the decent paper till you've got all the, all the stuff right, really. Quite right. Yeah. So do, do you still use that? Press? Yeah, okay. of course. So can you show me something that's printed from it? Uh, it? Yeah, this whole book was printed on it. This is, uh, this is Modern Alphabet for Unicorns. And this oh, is wow. all hand printed, hand set, hand printed. Gosh, it's very um, clear, isn't it? What um, font is that? Uh, it'd be Bembo, because Bembo's the main sort of font. And also here, I didn't have enough of the italics, so that's why some of it's in capitals. So that's quite good though, isn't it? Well, yes. And then with this, <coughs> it's all set in Bembo italic, um, but every letter is a different typeface. So every, you know, and that's um, D, that's Dorrington Glass, that's HMS Unicorn. Yeah. I know the captain. Okay, so wh why was a submarine named after a unicorn? Because the tradition in the British Navy of HMS Unicorn back, it goes back a long way. Okay. Yeah, it's and the there's a very old one up in Dundee, a wooden one, HMS Unicorn that mm. you can go and see. But we sold this. Oh, I can't remember who we sold this to, and it's named something else now. But this just looks. At, this one's F. That's food. I thought it was bad luck to rename an ocean-going vessel. I wouldn't have any idea. What's all this? What are all the? Are these all blocks of? Um, um, this. This is mainly brass type. 
Okay. Um, I've just got this from an American artist, Ray Tommaso. Um, I swapped some wood type for this because this is upper and lower case and you don't get upper and lower case very often in brass type. Mm -hmm. So the brass, we use the brass type for blocking titles on books. Gosh, there's an awful lot of drawers here with a lot of um, different types. Exactly. You wouldn't want to spill those, would you? Uh, no, you'd be a long time uh. putting them back. Um, but I think there, that there is, is because um, a lot of the old boys have um, rung me when they're giving up and said, do you want to rescue this? And you have to be very selective about rescuing it yes. because there's just so much. I've got one very, very rare one, which is um, narrow Bremble's Fairbank Italics. So tantric sets. I mean, well, somebody was binding that and they just did that as a title. Oh, see. Yes, no reason for... I thought Sting may really want your people. trusses do you keep on you? Well that's always the temptation isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, how far do you let them kind of go? I, mm, I discipline myself to four. Well I think I'll yeah I shall soon have to discipline myself to stop them going. Last year I had them right across the roof. Otherwise you'll be eating them at Christmas. Well, that's Of, um, so that's the that's the press. These are all the blocks, uh, and then this is all. Is this all bind? What's this? All yeah, this is, is this all bind cloth paper, paper, right? Yeah. So this is for the covers and, and so on. Yes. Yeah. And then and then just gosh, moving around is more. I know. I know. It's just that. Do you know what's in? Do you know what's in here? I mean, do you know where everything is? Yeah. In this? I, I, I was always accused of. They could never understand at school why I always got the exams right. They thought I cheated. And then they, they realised after testing me again and again, I had a photographic memory. That's a bit uh, ironic, isn't it, for you know for printing? Because like photography and printing are quite different, aren't they? Yeah. But, but nice. Yeah, I no, I I'm I'm lucky. That's I can a good skill set. I can probably even remember the page numbers if I want to go back through one of those theses where the 
the article please. Well, I won't test you. So what about, so this is all cloth for, yes. so lots of different colours. So we've got red, yes. pink yeah. shades, yeah. green, turquoise, yeah. bluey, canvasy. And where, is this all made in England or is it all like, um, is it all kind yeah, of? Some, but yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all this will be. And a lot right. of these are old papers. Again, old printers have rung me and said, you know, I've got a packet of this. Do you want a packet of that? So you've got like special stuff stashed Yeah, away. there is. Yeah, there is. What, what's your most special paper? Oh, Tuckenay Mill, I suppose. Oh, right. Now that came from the mill at Tuckenay. Tuckenay. Before yeah. it um, closed. Yeah, and I've got one of the moulds that... A friend of mine who was a papermaker sold a unicorn watermark on, so he made me my own paper with the unicorn watermark. Because there was a French guy who studied watermarks, and in antiquity there's over sort of 500 unicorns as a watermark. Gosh. So that shows that with type you had uppercase, that's where you get uppercase, so all the capitals would be in one case, and all the lowercase were in a, another case. So, oh I see, so like literally in a different case yes and also two point sizes if you understood letterpress point sizes they're all mathematically related oh gosh i bet so that you can actually understand the spacing and the typography mm. from, from the so 1 12 14 16 18 24 30 36 yeah but so i mean i can go up to you know really big wood type as well what's the the smallest you wouldn't want to set in four point. No, I was just <laughs> thinking. Of, you mad. I was just thinking mad. about the mathematical sequence. There is it. Oh, it's like some kind of weird Fibonacci. Yes, it is. It's based on somewhere here. Yeah, it's based on the history. There's a good article there. The history of the point system. Oh, okay. How it happened. Um, because all type founders were slightly different, and then American type founders um, sort of burnt down, and they all standardised. Um, there's the size of the type after that. It was more standardised. Well, that's how. So what's the what's the story? So when did you arrive? I came in 1963 um, as a girl in the gardens department. There had been one girl, I think, before me, but um, I'm generally regarded as one of the first, well, the first girl. And you can imagine in a gentleman, yeah. old gardeners, boys, it was the 60s, so you had to be a bit nippy on your feet. I bet, yeah. <laughs> Oh but I lived with a head gardener, Mr. Johnson, and he was lovely. But sadly, he died quite, yeah, you know, not long after. And then I lived with lovely Florence Burton, who was the housekeeper in the courtyard. Um, for oh, I don't know, that must might have been a couple of years, I suppose. Then um, eventually, I met my husband. Bramwell. Um, so what what brought you here in the first place? There was though? not really very many places that would take girls to train in horticulture. So you had an interest in... So you had an well, interest my, in... Yes, I mean a great passion, simply because I said earlier, um, my father was a railwayman, we had big allotments, 
I'd always grown. I was really keen, yeah. really interested. So what part of the country was that then? Buffy Tracy, just out the road. Oh, okay. So were you born in Buffy? Buffy. I so was. born in Bobby, yeah, and so your father was a, a signalman. But on, you mentioned he was in the, in the Dolomites, but he must have no, been. No, we travelled a lot, okay, because you would get railway passes and concessions. I see. So we travelled a lot, and I think you know the influence of going to Austria for one trip, the Dolomites for another trip, um, and the, I guess one of the biggest influences was one of the holidays we had in Italy. You know, what was I about thirteen, fourteen? And I remember standing in St. Mark's Square and looking at those bronze horses right. and went, oh, gee, I'd like to do something like that one day. Right. You know, and fate has decreed that I've been lucky enough to find Andrew Lacey, who is a bronze caster. And yes. we've worked together and that's been just amazing. Yeah. But I was just lucky to have, you know, I'd been to Kew when I was there's a picture of me about four. Right. Been to Edinburgh Tannics when I was about six. So you had this interest in. Uh, excuse me. Can I help you? I, just... I thought it was a shop. Oh no, sorry. Oh, it was. Yes. Yes, afraid so. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, shut that. Shut, shut that door, Everard. Yeah, you should charge people to come in. Yeah. Yes. I, might, I might do that. I might just pop out and sit on the door and take charge the money. people. Yeah, <laughs> take the money and run. Oh, well, that would be on your conscience, not mine. I'll give you a So let's just sort of run through that. So when you arrived, fifty you, years ago. When you arrived, fifty years ago, what was the what was the setup then? Who was who was here? The Elmhurst. Well, yeah, the, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, we worked really hard. You know, we worked five and a half, five and a half days a week, seven thirty to five. Um, the college was amazing. Uh, it was the sixties. There were the students you know were playing i mean the wall garden working in the wall garden and greenhouses you had music all day because that was all the practice rooms so you you'd have every kind of music that you can imagine yeah. all day yes. which was amazing um you know being the only girl i spent a lot of time with dorothy you know i would carry the canes and labels and i would do the pot plants in the house and the flowers sometimes um and how's it? And how's it all evolving now? I mean, it's a, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? But it's still got a certain. Yeah, I th I think it's just an amazing place to be. You know, when the when the bindery went from the school to the Tuskegee offices, that was amazing. And then we were put over at um, Schumacher in the old um, estate store, and that was amazing. The people that you met when Schumacher just started. Yeah. You know, and they would come up to the workshop 
and chat and you think these people are leaders in their field and from all that, over the world yeah absolutely terrific and that's why I did the book Modern Alphabet for Unicorns because I'd met a lot of these people firsthand. I'd listened to them lecture and you thought, how can I interpret it? And I've only, with that one, I just used the unicorn as a metaphor or something just to join it all together. So are you still very much involved with the trust, the Dartington Trust? Um, or are you? Yes and no. I think so because I live just up the road. Right. Um, I'm still on the gardens committee. Uh -huh. I kind of, yeah, if I'm cross, I trot in the office. But Quite right. to say this trap is fantastic i bought it off ebay okay. and it's brilliant so it catches them live does it yeah and then what don't do you do? ask you don't want to know you dispatch them i dispatch them right what um, technique is for you i'm course? not mentioning it you, uh, tell me it's a rolling pin is it not quite but it's you can set it and i can not quite a rolling pin. i set it um and i usually have the ring attached to my kitchen window so if I see the squirrel in there I can pull it and well that's great well look, look next time I'm on the estate I'll see you and I'll uh, we'll, I'll buy you a cup of tea cup of coffee yeah, yeah. Wh whatever your favorite beverage apple, apple juice apple juice yes. and I'm gonna make the most of the sunshine yeah. all right bye So there we are, Mary Bartlett, font of knowledge, unicorns, plants, uh, amazing setting, I know I've said it before but Dartington really is a unique place. on a day like this. Absolutely glorious. Awesome.
ですが